0: What does a fake tan, a chess grandmaster, and a Hasidic Jew have in common? This episode of the Booterverse. Hey everybody! Welcome to episode 24 of the Booterverse. We have a very special guest with us today. Chess Grandmaster Gregory Kadenoff is with us, and he's going to show us the best position for your queen. I'll be sharing some Booter thoughts with you, and of course, Judy Scheinbaum is here to answer all of your questions on today's episode of the Booterverse. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Hush Puppies. Hush Puppies. You can either put them in your mouth wear them on your feet, or simply just tell your dog to be quiet. And now for news in my orbit. For all of you who thought Harry Styles only had one direction, think again. We all know the singer has been photographed in fedoras time and time again, and young men by the thousands have been copying the look of their idol. But as it turns out, the rocker hasn't just been making a fashion statement. He has, in fact, converted to Orthodox Judaism. Styles came clean about his new faith just after the new year, saying that he has always felt a close kinship with Hasidic Jews and has been trying the uniform on for size. You know, he said, it's a big decision to convert, and I wasn't about to do it if I wasn't going to look really, really hot in those hats. I wasn't sure it was going to work out with the hair and all, but as it turns out, it's fine. So I said sure, let's do this. Growing out the famous side locks of his hair is the next challenge, and he is said to be planning a line of styling products for the signature forelocks, as well as his own brand of kosher hot dogs called, you guessed it, Harry's Wieners. The Budiverse would like to wish a special Mazel Tov to Mr. Styles. Turning to international news, in advance of the Pope's visit next week, the government of the Philippines has requested that everyone in the nation wear adult diapers during the Holy Father's stay in their country. Wanting to do all they can to foster a climate of purity and respect, officials felt that going to the bathroom is actually a sign of uncleanliness and wanted people to be able to stay in nicer places and do nicer things than relieving themselves in bathrooms. Acknowledging that it was probably unrealistic to ask the nation to hold it until the Pope left, the government sees outfitting the population in adult diapers as a reasonable number two measure. Now people can remain in their church pews or on their couch tuned to the papal sermons with no interruption. Quoting a spokesperson, they can now answer the call of nature and the call of God at the same time. And don't think planning a papal visit is without its challenges. Fears of an adult diaper shortage were allayed when Japan finally stepped in with a large donation of supplies. And now all they can do is wait and see how things come out. Here's hoping that all they have is a nice papal mass, and not a huge papal mess. In New York City, residents of the urban hamlet of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, were stunned by a plague of burglaries last year that were all traced to unlocked doors. Apparently, their backyard farms, goat-drawn carriages, and hand-sewn pants had thoroughly convinced them they were living in 19th century Iowa. By New Year, it appeared the crisis had ended, but last week, more interlopers were apprehended trying to enter Williamsburg homes. It turns out they weren't stealing. Oddly enough, they were bringing things back. You got any idea how hard it is to fence a loom, one of the suspects said. He continued by saying, I got my guy saying I gotta come get all this stuff because they can't do nothing with it. Ain't no market for this. I don't even know what half this crap is. What the hell am I going to do with it? Among the returned assets temporarily in police custody are numerous craft brew setups, three taxidermy kits, some whittling tools, and one printing press. Even though the worst appears to be over, authorities are nonetheless reminding all New Yorkers to secure their homes properly, and are offering free instructional courses in modern door concepts to anyone living in the Williamsburg neighborhood. Turning to Capitol Hill, it's time once again for the annual mocking of the Boehner Tan. After being roundly ridiculed for returning to Capitol Hill this term with his orangiest and most unrealistic-looking skin ever, newly re-elected House Speaker John Boehner has opened up about his look. Apparently it's a move to make Congressional Republicans look more inclusive by painting, quite literally, Boehner as a man of color. But what color exactly? Boehner calls it Boehner Bronze, but if you ask Sherwin-Williams, they beg to differ. According to the paint company's online color visualizer, it lies somewhere between spicy hue and husky orange. The website did offer a little more advice. When paired with his hair color, the website suggested he tend toward a cooler shade, recommending creamsicle. Nancy Pelosi quipped the tan was more like a betadine wash, but Boehner, who recently said he feels totally comfortable in his skin, is taking it all in stride. He revealed that George Hamilton has been serving as his dermatology advisor and asked his fellow Republicans to consider joining up with him. It's a great way to show solidarity for people with colored skin, Boehner said, and asked like-minded folks to tweet a picture to at John Boehner, showing what he calls their Republic skin. Perhaps their motto should in fact be, Yes, we tan. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Dumpsters. Dumpsters. Home to feral cats, dead bodies, and your old aunt Ida just looking for another aluminum can. Buddha. It's now time for a segment we like to call, The Last Lung, with Judy. Judy Scheinbaum, take it away.
1: Oh hello Emery, it's so good to be here, thank you so much, let's get started. Lots of great questions today and I am excited. Our first question is from Sharla in Brookline, Massachusetts. She says, are you a fan of Doctor Who? Oh, sweetheart, if I haven't stepped through the doors of a TARDIS, I don't know where I'm going. I love the Doctor. I tell you what, he could use his sonic screwdriver any way he wants, and let me tell you, I think Doctor Who is one of the most innovative shows on television today. I don't care if it's from the BBC and those Brits are doing a wonderful job. They do a lovely service to television, and I say, Allons-y. Next. Ooh. Our next question is from Emma in Bradenton, Missouri. She says, What kind of beer goes best with pate? Sweetheart, if you are in Missouri, what are you doing eating pate? And I tell you what, that's like mixing oil and water. It's just not done. I tell you one time when Miley Cyrus and Robin Thicke tried to have a career together, musically speaking, it was that bad. Just imagine one of them is beer and the other one is pate. Next! Our next question is from Peter in Kissimmee, Florida. He says, How do you break the news to your grandma that you hate watching her Falcon Crest DVDs with her? Well, sweetheart, let me just tell you, if your grandma has Falcon Crest DVDs, she is a step ahead of all of those washed-up grannies who are watching it on VHS. You need to respect her and watch those Falcon Crest episodes with love. Love, I say. Just because one had a bouffant hairdo and a perm the size of Texas doesn't mean that Falcon Crest wasn't a societally relevant show. You, sir, need to watch it and shut your yapper. Next. Oh my goodness, it's already time for our last question. Our last question is from Stephanie in Yuma, Arizona. Ooh, hello, 310 to Yuma. She asks, pearls on someone under 20? Yes and no. Sweetheart, I would put pearls on an infant if I could. I tell you what, I used to dress up my daughter Eliza in pearls since the moment she came out of the womb. And I tell you what, it was a darling look. You can't have enough pearls if you ask me. I mean, look, how many books were written about pearls? Everybody loves a good set of pearls. I don't care if you were Princess Diana or Angela Merkel. No matter what the age, no matter what the size, a woman looks better in pearls. This, that, and that is it. That's been it for The Last Lung with Judy. I love you all. Mm -hmm.
0: That's been it for The Last Lung with Judy. We'll be right back right after this. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by towel bars. Towel bars. You haven't seen something come off the wall that easy since that Pamela Anderson poster on your brother's bedroom wall. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I am sitting here with Gregory Kadenoff, who is a grandmaster in chess. Gregory, it's great to have you here on the show. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Oh, it is our pleasure. First of all, if you had a favorite opening, what would it be? Uh the one which will allow me to win the game. Mm, mm, said like a grandmaster, sort of Yoda-esque, very ethereal, very non-committal, but I love it. Do you have a sort of penchant for perhaps the Fibonacci approach?
2: Is Fib- that Fibonacci it, approach?
0: It, I like to make up my own chess moves. Is that allowed?
2: <laughs> uh, as long as they uh follow the rules, that's
0: uh, that, that's called creativity, I would say. Ah well, thank you. Uh, perhaps we can start a, a booter move. Are there any new moves that haven't been done in chess? Uh,
2: the, they say that the number of possible uh, chess moves is uh, larger than the number of atoms in the universe. So obviously it means that uh, there is lots of lots of room for new moves. Maybe not on move one, but as the game progresses, uh, more and more possibilities. And so it's almost infinite. Excellent. Now, going back to the beginning, where were you born, sir? Uh, I was born in a country which doesn't exist anymore, in Soviet Union. Um, uh, now it's the territory of Ukraine. Um, I didn't live there for long. As a matter of fact, uh, just for a few months. And I moved to what is now Russia. Uh, the city called Kaliningrad. It's, it has very interesting history. It's a former German city called Königsberg, but after Second World War, it became Russian.
0: Excellent. And so when did you come over to the States?
2: I uh, immigrated uh, on the day of so- when Soviet Union broke up. So it's, it's a very interesting coincidence. So it was uh, uh, December of 1991, and I arrived to Lexington straight from Moscow on the Christmas day of 1991.
0: Do you think they broke up because you left?
2: I'm, sh- I'm sure. They were I'm... so
0: heartbroken yeah, that I'm you sure. left. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, It just happened on one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Gorbachev said, nope, no, we're done. It's <laughs> it's over. <laughs> now, a quick question. Um, being a grandmaster, does that come with any perks? I mean, do you get frequent flyer miles? Do you get to sit in first class on trains? Uh, not really, but uh, what it
2: does, it definitely gives some perks uh, in the chess community. So I'm treated like uh, a celebrity when, when I'm among uh, chess players. And
0: well, let me tell you, we're going to treat you like a celebrity right here on the Booterverse. People are going to know <laughs> the delightfulness that is yourself. Thank now, you. do they give you some sort of a cape maybe or, or sort of a crown, a wand, anything? Unfortunately, no. no. No, maybe I. I, I wish. I mm. wish, but maybe like a gold chess piece. Nothing.
2: Nothing. Ah,
0: no, just the respect. Now you're also, if I am correct, an international master as well. Is that is that correct?
2: Um, th- th- no. Uh, the way it works, uh, there is like hierarchy. So, uh, the titles go from, um, category D, category C player, and so forth. And so, uh, international grandmaster is the highest title uh, except the world champion so the international master is a title before international grandmaster i see okay and then you become international grandmasters and from there the only highest is the world champion
0: speaking of world masters or world champions excuse me uh you beat one
2: uh uh, i i beat one uh, but when he was not a world champion yet, so oh. but, but he was he was very young, yes. But, but playing you helped him to get to that. Oh, place. I'm sure I'm sure this experience propelled him much higher. Mm, yeah. There's no doubt in my mind.
0: <laughs> Do you have a favorite chess piece?
2: Uh, the same answer I said before, you know the one which uh, allows me to to win. so mm. um, I, I mean chess pieces uh, have uh, relative values. So, for example, uh, queen is the most powerful piece and king is the piece which you uh, k- must keep because if you lose the king, you lose a game. Uh, however, the beauty of chess is that during the game, those values could be changed. Uh, and so, it's uh, considered to be the most beautiful continuation if you sacrifice your queen for a piece of lesser value. Those situations are very rare, but when you do... It's considered to be act of beauty, and so those games are considered to be
0: really, really nice. It's like a Shakespearean drama, you know, the, the, the angst of sacrificing one's queen. You know, it's funny that the queen is considered the most powerful piece. Finally, we have a game that mirrors reality. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know why more women don't play chess. I mean, because the female character is in fact the most powerful piece.
2: Yeah, it should be, it should be.
0: Has the number of women uh, who play chess uh, gone up in the last uh, several Uh, years? I
2: don't know exactly statistics, but just traveling to the tournament and uh, just judging, you know, from uh, my experience, the answer is yes. It looks like uh, more and more girls uh, are getting involved, and that's that's great, because uh, that's a game which shouldn't have any gender barriers, so... Uh, unlike athletics uh, there is no reason why women should be weaker uh, in chess Um, there is a lot of argument about that why they are still not um, uh, as powerful as men Uh, but I think that the answer is just uh, because less girls play chess compared to men that's probably the only reason and uh, the presence of one women grandmaster among strongest of men for many years. Her name is Judith Polgar, she's Hungarian. So uh, it's a proof that uh, women can be as strong as men in chess.
0: Absolutely. Now, a quick question. Why is it that so many uh, people in the eastern part of the world, uh, Ukraine, Russia, etc., Hungary, are so good at chess? Uh, I think it's only a question of uh, the culture. Like the,
2: uh, the same reason uh, Americans are best basketball players or baseball players is why uh, Eastern Europeans are good chess players, uh, just because of traditions. Um, but, uh, you know, like for example, uh, when son uh, and dad uh, want to have uh, want to spend time together, they sit around the chessboard.
0: Well, and you even recount a story where you as a child played with your own father and he passed down that tradition to you.
2: That's right. That's right. That That's a very regular story. Uh, but uh, since breakup Soviet Union and uh, immigration of uh, many strong uh, Russian chess players around the world, I think this... Uh, skills and traditions are spread out. And uh, now you see chess players from uh, all kinds of uh, countries. Um, Current world champion is from Norway. The last world championship match he played was from the uh, chess player Grandmaster from India. So uh, the geography is
0: definitely, yeah. When you said Norway, I just assumed that people played chess because it was cold and then you talk about India, so we have an Indian uh, world champion. That's amazing.
2: Right, right, right. That's by the way the uh, the person uh, I beat when when he was eighteen years old. So, ah, yeah. Mm. His name is Vishan, and so he he was world champion uh, for many years. So um, and and he just lost his title a year ago to this uh, Norwegian um, phenomenon whose name is Magnus Carlsen.
0: What is sort of the peak age for a chess champion, a world champion? Or, you know, is this something that can develop young in life? Or is it something that you see most people in their 40s and 50s sort of holding Uh, on to?
2: That's a very interesting question. Um, uh, Because, and and it's kind of uh, a little bit deceiving for many people. Because many people think about, since chess is pure uh, intellectual endeavor, many people think that, Um, You know, as more you play, as more experienced you are, as better you should be. But uh, I think chess is like most sports. So you, uh, and now you reach your peak when you're younger and younger. Magnus Carlsen is only 24 years old. So, um, and uh, uh, in the past, like if we will take 1970s, 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds men uh, were able to compete uh, very well with with young people it's no longer the case so among top 100 in the world there are no 50 year olds anymore so
0: do you think that the game is now relying more on natural talent rather than learning a skill i, I think both are very important uh, i would say natural
2: talent is absolute necessity so uh, but uh, with the development of computers and involvement if in computers with chess, computers now uh, is a huge learning tool. You can learn much faster using uh, computer databases and computer engines. Um, I think uh, uh, the number of information, the amount of information, uh, increased dramatically, and so um, and it's, it's much harder for older people to compete on the highest level.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, now you can sit down... In your basement and play three games of chess against a computer, whereas before you would have to find an individual to play, or I suppose use a book to maybe. But that's a big. That's
2: a big change too. That's right. That's
0: right. That's a big change. You can play against computer. You
2: can play against anyone in in the world. So all those things uh, mean that you can get more experience, more knowledge in a shorter amount of time, and that's why we see. Uh, grandmasters uh, at the age of 13 or 14 sometimes.
0: Will humans ever be able to beat computers at chess again?
2: Uh, Actually, the disparity is getting bigger and bigger every year. Uh, Unfortunately, not...
0: In favor of the computers.
2: In in favor of the computer.
0: Are the computers going to take over, do you think? In terms of chess? In terms of everything.
2: Uh, I mean, they already do. But, uh, you know, the, the argument is like, will artificial mind uh, conquer us so that, you know, we will uh, be in their power, right? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope it will not happen. It's, uh, yeah, those days scenarios, I, I don't think it will happen.
0: N- me too, because I cannot stomach another Terminator movie. I just, <laughs> I just can't do it. You know, it's whew, we're, there's another one coming out, and I'm thinking, Arnold, Arnold, it's isn't it time to hang up the metal exoskeleton and just, you know, enjoy retirement?
2: I, I feel like, I, like I'm happier man than you are, because I've never seen any of them,
0: so... Sir, you are an infinitely happier man <laughs> <Right>. than I. <laughs> um, in terms of chess, you know, obviously there are beautiful boards, wood carving, marble, stone, lo- just lovely boards... Do you have a specific kind of board you like to play on?
2: Yes, yes, that's a board which is in my in my mind. Oh. So, so majority Again, this... majority of chess grandmasters, believe it or not, might not even own a
0: chess set. So, uh, the, 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 I do, I do. But you are like the Obi Wan of chess, sir. This is why you are a grandmaster. You're able to say things like. My favorite board is the board in my mind. That is, sir, you should write these down. You should write these down because they're classic.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, Most chess grandmasters can play chess blindfolded. So basically without looking at at the board. And uh, it's true that if you are not looking at the board, you are not playing as strong as when you do. Uh, But still, this ability is obviously unique and it's very helpful because... You can analyze chess positions any time. You know, you you, you watch the movie, you're staying in line, and you still can think about chess and think about chess positions. And so that's a very, uh, very very nice quality.
0: Now, is this innate or was this skill learned?
2: Uh, It it develops as more and more. You play chess. Uh, It it comes uh, itself. I mean, it's not like, you know, you have to do something special. Uh, But after... You know, lots of lots of hours, lots of lots, uh, time of practice. You do that. Um, I always compare this with the ability of piano player to hit keys without uh, looking at them. So, I guess that's something uh, which you can compare very well.
0: It has been rumored that you can play chess up to twelve hours straight. Is that true? Absolutely. Uh, I, I or is that experience. a low number? Uh, uh, uh,
2: as far as I can recall, I had several. Uh, cases when I was playing chess with a student for thirteen hours, so
0: the same game.
2: Uh, uh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. It's only the word "play" maybe would be a little bit uh, misleading. Studying. Ah, excellent.
0: Okay. Yeah, excellent. Interesting. Do you find that? What do you think the greatest hurdle is for students who come to you today? Uh, because we hear of a lot of younger. Uh, individuals having a shorter attention span, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that the biggest hurdle, or what do you think it is when they approach and come to the game of chess? Uh, first of all, uh, I want to tell you a very interesting
2: story. Um, uh, once I had a kid who was uh, diagnosed with uh, ad and so and uh, his parents b- brought him to me saying that um, he can't concentrate on anything but chess. And so, and uh, he became my student, and so he took chess lessons for many years. Uh, and for the last many years, he's a, a Kentucky State champion. So he's a chess master, very successful player. Um, so it shows that uh, this is not, not a problem. In general, yes, chess is a game of patient people. So you, you, you have to be patient. Um, uh, but at the same time, it's uh, w- when it comes to kids, there are a lot of impulsive, impatient kids, uh, but because of their talent, because of their ability, they are still very good players.
0: Excellent. Do you see a lot of people wearing bow ties as they play chess? Uh, you're the first one I see.
2: <laughs> no, seriously. No, no. Uh,
0: if we were to play chess, sir, it would be over... What? It would be over so fast, it would be like uh, Nicole Richie's career, sir. It would be <laughs> a star in the sky going away. Um, what, how many times, or how fast have you beaten someone? What is the smallest number of moves that you have won a game? Uh, in official
2: tournaments, uh, I guess I will disappoint you, but it was not, you know. Uh, three or four moves maybe it was 15 or 17 moves something like that so
0: but that's i mean that's fast in a in a uh, tournament uh, play right uh,
2: right right but but uh it also depends because in chess majority of games in chess tournaments in official chess tournaments they don't end up in a checkmate so uh strong players know uh when it's time to resign so usually game is decided by resignation because you see that from this position you're going to lose doesn't matter what and you just resign and so sometimes the opponent can get lost position very quickly but keep going on you know without
0: any hope and game can go for quite long in this case but so it's kind of like if you resign it's kind of like falling on your sword you've said no i'm giving up i can't do anymore i'm good
2: Yeah, yeah. you're saying uh, I'm lost and I acknowledge my defeat. Mm. Mm. Which is, by the way, maybe I would like to elaborate on this a little bit more. Um, Like, how do you resign in chess and how does it feel? It's a very interesting topic because um, I had one friend who was uh, an expert golf player and uh, a, a chess player. And he said that uh, it's not even close to how you feel when you lose in golf and you lose in chess. Like, uh, losing in chess feels very humiliating. So it almost like you feel the other person is smarter. And you have to acknowledge this defeat, you know, face to face. And that's that's quite difficult. And, like, when I lose a chess game, I just don't want to see anyone. I run to my room. Uh, when I was a boy, I was crying all the time. But... Now I'm crying inside, but, uh, you know, it, it hurts a lot.
0: So are you saying there are tears on the chessboard in your mind, sir? Absolutely.
2: absolutely. When you lose. lose l- losing a chess game is a, is a huge, huge tragedy for me. And I think it's the same case for a majority of chess players. It's almost like if you don't feel terrible after losing a chess game, you, you, know, you don't have a chance to become a strong chess player.
0: Hmm. Do you think chess is unique in terms of the skills it uses um, compared to a game like backgammon or, or other sort of, of games that you might play?
2: Uh, I, I think chess has uh, a, a lot of similarity with uh, other games uh, and many chess players uh, transition from chess to other games successfully like for example many chess masters are successful in poker and um, uh, many of them have background in backgammon, w- which you mentioned. Uh, it's just that chess is much more complex than the majority of other games. I think uh, it's much easier to transition from chess to other games than from other
0: games to chess. Do you think if chess players were politicians, we'd live in a much nicer society? Uh, I don't think so, you know. <laughs>
2: Many m- 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 are they
0: ruthless? Are chess players just ruthless? Is uh, that- I,
2: I, I think, uh, you know, most chess players are probably nerds, you mm. know. So, uh, there are many exceptions, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, do you think we'll be in the better world if nerds will be
0: politicians?
2: Uh, I'm not sure. Mm.
0: It's hard uh, to say.
2: Yeah, can you imagine Bill Gates or Steve Jobs uh, as politicians? Uh,
0: I mean, I would have a hard time getting past the black turtleneck, so I guess not. Do you think Vladimir Putin plays chess?
2: Um, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I I hope not because I don't want the the image of chess to be associated with such person.
0: I hear he's coming out with a chess calendar where he plays chess uh, shirtless. (laughs)
2: <laughs> this would be something, yes, yeah, but won't be a good a good advertisement for chess for mm. sure.
0: It would be sort of interesting to see what world leaders do actually play chess or enjoy, at least enjoy it. That would kind uh,
2: of be uh, yes. Uh, I know some of them do, but uh, you know, w- w- once again, I think the fact that you play chess doesn't make you a good person or a good politician.
0: Oh, so are you saying that chess is sort of morally neutral?
2: I think so. I think so. It's just kind of, you know, intellectual pursuit and, uh, you know, like, uh, for example, we have tremendous respect for uh, writers and artists, uh, but, you know, at the same time, we, you know, there are many people who we maybe won't be happy to be associated with just despite because of what they do.
0: Does chess not get enough recognition in the global society? I think...
2: I think so. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's a wonderful game which uh, develops mind, uh, which also develops many other qualities which we sometimes uh, don't recognize. It does, uh, for example, you know, chess uh, helps you to be responsible. You are the only one who is making decisions on the chessboard, and like in other sports, uh, when you are in the team and you can maybe sometimes uh, cut the slack, some you know, you you are the only one. Who is responsible for your decisions? So mm, this makes it interesting.
0: Do you think pawns have an? Do you think pawns have an inferiority complex? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, interesting uh, question. Uh, because uh, I mean, it does sound funny, but um, for me, chess are like uh, you know, life uh, characters. You see, uh, I'll tell you an interesting story. You probably know all those uh, memory games, like concentrate memory kids, very often playing this game. So, when I played those games with my kids when when they were little, I would constantly lose. (laughs) It will make me really, really (laughs) mad because, you know, as a competitive person, you know, I I hate to lose, even if they're my own kids. I tried to cheat, I tried everything, (laughs) I can't win. And so, and then I realized, why does it happen? Because all those, uh, you know, pictures, I mean, usually those cards, they contain some kind of silly pictures, like some kind of fish with something in her mouth or something ridiculous. And But for them, for kids, it's images, it's live images. For, for me, it's ridiculous pictures. For them, it's live images. So I wish those games would have chess pieces or the names of the square, ch- squares on the chessboard, then I would beat them easily.
0: <laughs> so,
2: but unfortunately, you know, nobody designed such a game.
0: So perhaps that is your calling. You could design such a game that could do so.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, I probably will be the only one who will be playing that.
0: <laughs> well, you and all the other grandmasters, you guys, right, could right, get right. Well,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Now it was interesting that you talked about quote unquote nerds uh, playing chess and the ability of chess players to go into other games. Do you find that chess players also enjoy uh, literature that has more of a science fiction or fantasy uh, bent to it? Or do you find that they're uh, a little bit more academic and, and, and like uh, more science, uh, you know, uh, uh, text?
2: That's an interesting question because um, so scientists say that um, different parts of brain are responsible, for example, for math and music, right? Correct. So what I experienced uh, by communicating with a lot of strong grandmasters is that uh, you see people from both sides. So I think you see people who have mathematical type of mind and people who are good in music and languages. So that's what makes chess so fascinating because you can play in many different ways. You can have different style and you could be successful in being. Uh, just kind of mathematically precise, and uh, uh, play technically, um, and you could be very extremely creative, uh, bohemian type, and be very good anyway, just, just uh, uh, very differently. So, um, and it answers your question, so there are people who like uh, one type of literature,
0: and one type of music, and the other. Which really highlights, I think, that chess can be open to anyone. I That's mean, right. We, we That's talked right. about men and women, but I mean, of all sort of swaths of people, and, and it is, and it is. Do you find that if you started at a younger age, you're going to be a better player? I mean, no, is that just fa- no? No doubt. No, no, no
2: doubt, doubt. It's true. No doubt. It's true. It's it's so true that sometimes it's even uh, kind of frustrating and depressing that if you start chess, let's say. Uh, around 18 years old, you're doomed. You're not going to become world class player. You're doomed. Yeah, I love yeah. That. So, so it's 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 very depressing. But you have to start very early. There are very few cases when uh, you can become a very strong player uh, when you start, let's say, at 12. That's that's an exception. So n- nowadays, in old times. Uh, like, let's say if you start playing chess, you know, in early 1900s and you are 12 years old, you still had a chance
0: to become world champion nowadays. Now. Is it just because as children are growing and developing as they're interfacing with chess at a younger age, they just get in the mind? I mean, it becomes ingrained in them. Yes. Yeah. I would compare
2: this with foreign languages. Uh, you see, so, like, uh, if you start learning foreign language when you are, let's say, 18 or 20, uh, you most likely already will speak with an accent for the rest of your life. Uh, You can speak this language very well, but you won't be able to get rid of the accent. And
0: at the same time, if you learn at the age of five, you will speak fluently. Since we're talking about languages, are there any other foreign languages that you speak? Obviously you speak, I would assume, Russian and, uh, and English. English.
2: No, no, I, I know just a uh, few words from many languages since I travel and I have to communicate, but, but that's it.
0: How many languages do you know the word checkmate in?
2: Wow, that's a good question. Never thought about this. Only two, in English and Russian. I don't think I n- know. Uh, actually, in in most languages, it's probably just the word "mate," ah. would be my guess. Mm-hmm. So, which is very interesting is has another meaning, right? Of course, indeed, indeed <laughs> it does.
0: When the king and the queen get together, I right. <laughs> Now, it is the holiday season. Is there anything that a grandmaster, a chess grandmaster would want on their Christmas list? Uh, Peace and quiet. Spoken like a true grandmaster, sir. So. Well, as we end our interview, we always like to give our guests the opportunity to address the audience, share wisdom, wit, anything that they would want to, to share with the the populace. We, we love to give you all that platform. Yeah. So
2: uh, what I would like, I would like to appeal to parents. So, um, and I would like to say that chess is such a wonderful game, such a wonderful tool to make your kids smarter, smarter, Uh, better, more thoughtful Uh, so please teach them how to play chess Uh, let them play on the internet let them, because we we are blessed because we live at the age when, like you mentioned earlier, to find an opponent is uh, much easier when you play the internet Uh, it will become their uh, lifetime hobby, so I think it's a wonderful, wonderful game which makes our life better
0: Excellent. As a last question, sir, does chess go better with bourbon? <laughs> Never tried, so I can't answer that. <laughs> ah, he plays chess while sober. Well, my friends, that's been it for another episode of the Booterverse. verse Gregory, thank you once again for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. We'll be right back, right after this. Buddha. Today's episode of the Buddha-verse is brought to you by Dryer Lint. Dryer Lint. Nothing like getting lint from a machine that's supposed to take it away and now for booter thoughts. Have you ever wondered why parking meters and hookers have so many things in common? Sure, one's stationary and one moves around when the feds come, but it seems to me the two were likely collaborators in a system gone awry. Both stand asking for money on street corners. One gives you a ticket, the other gives you VD. Never have two things so gray and ravaged taken so much from society. They'll both take your money, and in each case, you'll feel less satisfied than you did before. And you, my dear listeners, could be the only thing keeping each of those institutions in business. Both now accept credit cards, and gee, isn't that going to be fun explaining to the IRS come next tax season? So if you ask me how we could make the situation better, I'll take a page out of Richard Simmons' own book, Everything Looks a Little Better with a Sequins Top and a Feather Boa. And that's been it for Booter Thoughts. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to send a special thanks to Gregory Kadenoff for being on the show. We'd also like to thank Courtney and Sonny for helping to produce the show. And of course, a special thanks to Quadrants for composing our theme song. We'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. If you haven't had enough of me here, we're also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle The Booter. We'd also like to hear what you think about the show. If you go to our website, www.thebooter.com, there's a space for comments, and we'd love to hear your feedback. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away.